have a look at a few more things on righteousness and I'm sure next year we'll get another opportunity and we will continue to discuss it. I am reading a book and the book is from 1852 and the writer was saying that in 1852, there was a generation that didn't want to learn about righteousness and holiness. I said, come and meet us today. <laughs> but, you know, I was, I was consoled a bit that the problem has been since of old. But I also was really worried that at the time, they thought that the people didn't want to receive righteousness. Come and see today. <laughs> you know? And, uh, I mean, the, 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 the writer was very offended and upset that why are they trying to intimidate preachers? 1852, why are they trying to intimidate preachers when they hear the word righteousness and holiness? I don't know whether I should send a telegram to him and tell him that, brother. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> you know? But it also encouraged me that this is a good message to preach. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because this fight has been going on even before 1852. Yeah. And um, I also know that anything that is good for us, the devil will always fight it. Yeah. Anything that is good for us, the devil will always fight it. In fact, even people who are good for you, the devil will cause you to be upset with them. The, God, the, the devil will like to separate you. The devil would like you to be angry with them. Haven't you noticed? And the people who destroy you or the people who are coming to influence you negatively, you know, somehow they make that relationship stay and stick. Even when it's about to break up, you'll find a way to keep it going. Listen, when I'm speaking, you see, you must come to the place to realize that when a message is being preached, the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks. Because if you come and look at my notes, you know that this was not in my notes. So you must always know that the Holy Spirit has a way of speaking to us. So this month's theme, theme I pray that even when the month ends, this year has been one of the amazing years where we have had amazing, every month the topic has just been needed, isn't it? And we, I keep telling you that anything that's being preached is not for the month is to add on for the rest of your life. It's to add on for the rest of it so that you get better and better and better and better. Do you understand? If we follow on to know, then shall we know. Precept upon precept, line upon line. Yeah, a little, there a little. And then you are adding on and you are growing stronger and you are getting better and your weapons are getting sharper. Amen. So I pray that some of these messages will take time and study them, read them, you know, especially the scriptures that have been exposed to us will spend time and look at some of these books, you know, like the book of Romans, like the book of Hebrews, you know, and then even the little Johns, they'll help us to appreciate this particular subject or theme we've had for the month of, you know. You know, should I tell you a secret? Yesterday I confessed on, I think it happened on Monday. So Monday, as I was reading that particular book where that old man from 1852 was telling me the troubles he was having on preaching on some of these things. 
I was so worried. I just went onto Amazon and I wanted to find every book he had written because I felt that each book will have a problem we are facing today also. And so I, by the time I left my screen, I had bought 16 books, Pastor Sam. I had to go and confess. And I, the way the books were, I thought, oh, these are books that we can handle. So last night I started reading some of the ones I bought. I took the first one, it was 860 pages. So if you multiply it by 60, maybe I'll finish. But it is good. That is how we grow. That is how. So this particular topic is not just what you've heard in the last couple of Wednesdays, but it's what you will add on to it and how much of it you will use. Amen. We started talking about it and we talked about what we think righteousness is. It's not exactly what you think it is. And we looked at Matthew 6 and we looked at the fact that it is what God wants. It is who God is. You know, and it affects every area of our life, including our peace, our wealth, isn't it? And then, I hope you have notes, because I'm just trying to run through and get to the last few things that I want to talk about. And then we went up to last week, we were talking about the fact that it is a gift, and it is received by faith, isn't it? And that faith in Christ fulfills the law and makes us righteous. Isn't that where we got to? Yeah. That everything about righteousness, we enter into it by faith. By faith. By faith. But somehow, we also have to be really careful because many will use that excuse not to make any effort to stay on that road. Do you you understand? Yeah. A lot of things in scripture are easily abused. Whether it's grace, whether it's faith, can easily become something that rather we stand on to misbehave. And if it is faith in Christ, and that is what imputes righteousness in us, then today I also want to tell us that as a Christian, for the rest of your life, you have to remain in Christ. You understand? You cannot have faith in Christ, become righteous, get out of him, and then still be righteous. Your righteousness remains so long as you remain in him. Does that make sense? Does that sound correct? First John, the Bible says in First John 2, verse 28 and 29, I would read the Amplified and then maybe the message. It says that, and now little children abide, live, remain, permanently. So it's not just remain in Christ. Remain what? Permanently. How many of us, don't lift your hands, including yourself and others you know, go in and out of Christ? Yeah. There was a game called, um, that uh, I don't even know what it was. It had different names in different locations, but they did in, out, side, side, on, in, out. Do you know that game? It's also age-dependent. Hopscotch, that's not the name. You see, you have just given it a modern name. I will find the original ancient name. <laughs> yeah. And it says that in him, so that when he is made visible, we may have, we may have and enjoy perfect confidence, boldness, assurance, and not be ashamed and shrink from him at his coming. You see, some of these things, on Sunday I was talking about 
things that are harmless and things that are harmful. And you realize that even remaining in Christ and staying in that benefit and blessing of righteousness brings you closer. It says that so that you don't shrink. You see, there are people even in the house of God, when they go and sin, then they shrink. They just, they dissolve. Yeah. In Genesis, as soon as Adam and Eve went to sin, then they were covering themselves. And the Lord is like, who told you you were naked? You see that your courage, your boldness, everything that Joshua encourages us to have, you see that it just disappears. Verse 29, if you know, perceive, and assure that Christ is absolutely righteous, that is conforming to the Father's will in purpose, in thought, and in action. Somebody say in purpose, in thought, and in action. So you, you see that righteousness entails so much. There are those who appear righteous, but if you go into their thinking, do you understand? There are those who do righteous things, but the purpose is not good. Somebody say, in purpose, in thought, and in action. Yeah. Because there was a season where people dressed to look righteous, even though they were not righteous. You may also know, be sure, that everyone who does righteously and is therefore in like manner conformed to the divine will is begotten of God. And you know, the Message Bible will give it to you in straight lines. And now, I'm reading the same 28 and 29. It says that, and now children, stay with Christ. I always do wonder when we say abide, stay with Christ. Live deeply in Christ, then will be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, with no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. Once you are convinced that he is right and righteous, you will recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. Tell somebody righteousness should be practiced. Righteousness should... The fact that it's a gift, the fact that it's imputed, is if somebody gives you a perfume, they're expecting you to use it, isn't it? If somebody buys you a sewing machine, they're hoping that one day you will take it, put some thread on it, and sew something, not your finger, but something. <laughs> Tell somebody, practice righteousness. Oh, I didn't hear you. Tell somebody, practice righteousness. Yeah. So remain in Christ and... Also, practice righteousness. Practice it. Why? Because last week I told you that we have the gift of righteousness. And what do we have? The fruits of righteousness. The fruits of righteousness. What do I mean by the fruits of righteousness? All I'm saying is that the benefits and rewards of righteousness. The benefits. And, and do you know that if you are not practicing it, you will not see or experience the benefits? Yeah. I don't care how shiny your treadmill looks in your house or your weight lifting look. If you don't actually practice, go on it, use it, it will have no benefit. There will be no fruits of your 2,000 pound um, treadmill. 
I know somebody who has a treadmill that I'm about to go and take it from their house because I, I, I think that they're using it as decoration. And how many of you know that's not its purpose? Yeah. Righteousness was not imputed on us as a label or as a symbol. Isn't it? It's for our use and for our benefit. Amen. Yeah. And there's a lot of benefits in righteousness. In fact, we just saw the scripture tell us that so that you will not be ashamed, you will not recall, you will not be afraid. I'm going to give you a few benefits and I pray that even though we may pause the teaching on it, I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring into remembrance a heart that wants to please God. The first one says that so that it will be well with you. The benefits of righteousness is that it will be well with you. Isaiah 3, verse 10, the Bible says that, Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them. Why? For they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Have you seen the link? Because you will operate in righteousness, you will eat the fruits of your deeds, which will make it well with you. When you come to walk with God, you realize that sometimes his instruction, you are not sure where it's taking you, but it's only when you get to the end that you realize that it was for your good. The admonition was for your good. You know, the blocking of certain roots, it was for your good. Destroying certain relationships, it was for your good. Yeah, sometimes even tripping you is for Do you know that if a car is about to knock you off the road, but before the car can knock you, somebody trips you, it's a blessing. You don't know. It's a total blessing. Because it's either a grace on your knee or the grave. Tell somebody, it will be well with me. And tell the person, I will eat of the fruits of my own deeds. Yes. Yes. Whatever you sow, you will reap, isn't it? Not only will it be well with you, the next one is that you will live life in its fullest form. You will live life in its fullest form. You will live life in its fullest form. You know, I always use this example that Friday, we may, we have, you may go for an all night from 10 to 4, and somebody to will go to the nightclub from 10 to 4. And how many of you know that both will have different outcomes? Proverbs 10, 16, the Bible says that the labor of the righteous tends to life. The fruit of the wicked is to sin. Amen. So the reward of the righteous gives life, and the fruit of the wicked gives sin. And that's why the Bible says in John 10, 10, the thieves come only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Amen. Yeah. There is something complete about walking in the righteousness of God. It is when you walk in that righteousness 
that you are able to live a contented life. Not that you have everything, but being content is also grace. Yeah, because there are billionaires who are not content. Yes, but there are hundred years who are content. (laughs) Or 15 years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Millionaire, somebody who drinks Milo. (laughs) And, And you will know it from the time you get saved and you stay focused on your faith, you know when the change comes. You know when you are maximizing the life that God has given you. The next one is that it brings discipline. That's a reward. You become disciplined. You become disciplined, and then you become well-trained, You mature. We're going to read a nice verse. One of the benefits also is that you will not cause others to fall. Do you know that your unrighteousness can cause others to backslide? Can cause others to fall? Can cause cause others into sin? And into various things? Can even let them be disappointed in their faith? Another benefit is that you will overcome the Esau syndrome. Tell somebody the Esau syndrome. Reverend, what is the Esau syndrome? When you go home, read it from the New King James, but I'm going to read today's own from the Message Bible because I have a few more things I want us to look at. But I'm going to read this from the Message Bible because I want you to appreciate why all these benefits are good. You see, when we are battling and fighting righteousness, holiness, it's just because we want to stay in discipline. But we should look at any child who is not disciplined, what they become. I'm reading from verse 8. We're going to look at Hebrews 12. I'm going to read from verse 8. We'll read quite a few verses because the matter is serious. Tell someone the matter is serious. And today is Wednesday. So it has to be a serious matter. Hmm. Verse 8, it says that the normal experience, this is the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? Why not? Verse 10. While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. So our parents' training is subject to what they think is right. Do you understand? What they think is appropriate. They are doing their very best to make sure you stay on course. That's their best. What seems, that's why the scripture is saying, what seems, it doesn't even necessarily mean it is right, but what seems right to them, they do it. But God is doing what is best, not what seems best. What is best for us? Training us to live God's holy best. 
Tell somebody I'm under training. Every, every, every Christian is under construction. Do you understand? Yeah. From the day you receive Christ, he begins to mold you, you know, sort your whole life out. But you have to allow it to happen. Occasionally, the clay has, talks back and gives discussions. And Verse 11, at the time, discipline isn't much fun. How many of you know that the things that are really good for us, we don't really like it? The food that's good for us, we don't like it. The, all the, I mean, do you know that reading is better than watching TV? You can be quiet, it's good. Way. It says it is, it's not much fun. Some of us, we have exams and things. Studying is not exciting. Playing games, more fun. At the time, well, unless you're watching, mind you. Person, what happened to you people? <laughs> Anybody who still supports Manchester United, I have faced out in my office for you. <laughs> At the time, discipline isn't much fun. Because do you know one day, man, you will come back again. A just man shall fall seven times. The righteous shall fall, but they shall what? Rise again. <laughs> At the time, discipline. You know, I'm not into football. I mean, apart from tennis, I don't watch any. But then I have my university WhatsApp group, and I realized that Sunday night, when I woke up Monday, I don't know what had happened, but there was a lot of activities. I was like, this is a very quiet platform, so where is this? And it was it it weren't good at all. It weren't good. It weren't good. It weren't good. They, they, somebody, somebody had put a, a, a meme of a cat that they had covered a cat in blanket. You know, like when you've got cold, shivers, flu, and then they have put a lot of medication around them. <laughs> Ah, it says that at the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. For it is the well-trained who find themselves matured in their relationship. A lot of Christians stay as babies all through their Christian life. And don't make any effort to mature. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't take all that. It is not all that. I mean, you cannot attain a certain level in your relationship without practicing righteousness. You have to learn how to discipline yourself. And the reason why you can do it is because that grace has been given to you. Hmm. Verse 12. So don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out. Help a sister out. Help a brother out. And run for it. 
work at getting along with each other and with God. Which means that even the way we relate with each other, even in the house of God, is a reflection. And he's saying, work at it. Work at getting a... Listen, God has made all of us individuals. We are all different. We all have different, you know, just, and he has done that on purpose. And we are supposed to put effort into getting along with each other. Hmm. You know, we shouldn't just sing the songs. I'm your brother and your sister, so take me by the hand. As long as there It's not true. See, don't just sing it. Because you know that sometimes the place you can get hurt most is the church. Sometimes the way, the place you can be looked down upon the most is the church. And it's not only with each other, but it says with God. Yeah. You see, that righteousness in you should not allow you to say that I wanted this, God didn't do, so I'm angry with God. That anger against God is also a sign of unrighteousness. It means you are ungrateful. I'm preaching, Eugene, I know, I know. When it's quiet like that, I'm really happy because then we can all not. Sometimes when the word is coming, you can't hide under, you can't go over. You have to just stay with it. Have you seen why I'm saying that the devil would take our mind off it using, oh, it's sin, it's sin. And some of these things we don't actually realize that actually these are the things that cause us to be unrighteous. Otherwise, you will never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. And you see, it is that same righteousness that should let us extend mercy, grace, forgiveness to others so that they are not left behind. So that if they have fallen down, we lift them up. So that if they are struggling, we can carry them along. So that they can continue to benefit till they can stand. So when your neighbor, your friend, whatever, is overtaking those of us who are still standing, in the spirit of humility, what do we do? We have to restore such a one. Then it wants to keep a sharp eye out for the weeds of bitter discontentment. Hey, keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter. It means that you can easily miss it. You can easily, and you see, I'm preaching to us, and if you're online, I'm also preaching to you that when you are becoming discontent about anything to do with God or the things of God, you should know that something bad is happening to you. Something bad is happening to you. It says that we should keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. Not on others, in yourself. In yourself. It's easy to see that this person is becoming some way. It's not easy for you to see that you are becoming some way. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Yeah, I noticed it. That sometimes the first few weeds just look. But as soon as you leave it, before you know it, you see that the weed, the whole place is filled with weed. Verse 16. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. 
And what is that? Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. The Esau syndrome. I think I'm going to use it now. My next essay will have Esau syndrome. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Where you trade away. You know, sometimes the devil pushes us to the place where, you know, we are fed up with God's delay. We are fed up with it. We are fed up. So he's saying that we are going just the short-term relief hmm. to satisfy a short-term appetite. So we trade God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Yeah. The Bible has shown us, and we see it in life day in day. You see that sometimes you are so on edge to either commit a sin. It's like you, you know, you know, you just want. And then once you have it, you have regrets. You realize that it wasn't all that after all. You can ask people who have taken people's husbands or people's wives. After a while, they realized that their wife was nothing. When they didn't have it, it seemed like that is what they really needed. But when they had it, they realized that, where's my old wife? She's actually much, 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 much better. Yeah. I really remember my uncle, may he rest in peace. I mean, at the time this incident happened, he already had about 24 children with about six or seven women. But I really remember, I think I was just about finishing primary school. So I must have been about, or I had just gone to high school. So I must have been about 11, 12, there about. And then, and, and, and then there was this, there was this, that's not the uncle I'm talking. All my uncles are not correct. So anyone qualifies for this first part of the, all of them qualify for yeah, because Reverend has just brought another one in that. That one is even more so. But this uncle, <laughs> this uncle, one day came to the school because his, my cousin, his daughter was also in the school. Do you understand? So when he came to visit, and when he comes, we are all there. Everybody gets money. This. Then there was this little girl whose parents had also come to visit her. It was a boarding school. So this little girl, her parents had also come to visit her. Then her mother got out of her car, and the mother was nice. So my uncle looked at the woman and was wondering how come he had never met her on this planet. How possible? You know? So somehow he managed to find his way to go and introduce himself. Oh, she was nice. She was nice. And he introduced himself. But some, I'm not joking. Within a year or two, she had divorced her husband. She had become wife number whatever. And she, she already had one little baby. Then after she had the baby, then she came to realize that my uncle was nothing at all. It is the Esau syndrome. It is the Esau syndrome. The Esau syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. You like somebody's clothes. You like somebody's this. You like somebody's car. You like somebody's man. When they put you inside, you realize that it's no big deal. In fact, normally by the time you sit inside, you see that a nicer one is passing. (laughs) 
that one, my father too is involved. So the anointing is not on me to dis disclose my father's troubles today. So when that anointing, when that anointing comes, I will, I will, yeah. I said all of them, all of them, including my father. Do you get it? All, all of them. There was no, all, all of them, all of them. Yeah. So that's why every day I pray for Kiran and I pray for all my nephews. That that anointing should not come upon them. And, 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 and what I don't understand is that, I mean, they are nice, but they are not even particularly handsome looking. Apart from money, most of them, there is not a whole lot to see. There is not a whole lot to see in their physical appearance. There is not a whole lot, a whole lot. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. It is not good. I think it's one of the prayers when you are praying, you should pray for me. Because you know that some things may not come in the same form as it came, but it can come in another form on its own. Yeah. You are looking at me, think about it. You see, this is not the time to wonder, hey, Pastor Gloria, this is her family. It's rather the time for you to wonder, me to my own, where are the Esau syndrome? You know, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Knowing is good. Knowing is good. No, it's funny because today I was having a chat with my big brother and a conversation came up and he was like, he thanked God for my father because that exposure made him know that he would never walk on that particular path. Hmm. I tell you, I tell you. Next one, number four. Let's keep going, please, because tell somebody, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Be content with who you are. Be content with what you have. Be content with where you are at. God is still taking you on. God is still increasing. God will still elevate you. But if you don't have the right attitude and you don't have that righteous way, you will never be satisfied no matter where you are taking up to. Remember, your righteousness is not only about you, but others also have to benefit from it. You know, Proverbs eleven thirty. the Bible says that what? The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Amen. Let me give you one or two more, and then we'll go. So, practicing righteousness, walking in righteousness, is a necessity for every Christian. And sometimes it is our unrighteousness that keeps many away from getting saved. When you hear people make expressions like there are a lot of people who are more moral than Christians, it's an indictment on us because it should come easy for us because we have that grace. It should be easier for us to forgive. It should be easier for us to give. It should be easier for us to help. It should be easier for us to embrace. But sometimes we can be the really mean one and there are scriptures to help us stand on that also. Another benefit is what? The fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, 
verse 9. I'll read the King James, Ephesians 5, 9. The Bible says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. You cannot exhibit the fruit of the Spirit if you are not walking in righteousness. You cannot. Because the fruit of the Spirit is inside the righteousness. Philippians 1 verse 9 to 11, the Bible says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent and you may be sincere and without offense. Have you realized that as we are talking about righteousness, we keep having this sincerity and not being offended and not being offended. Have you realized that? Yes. Till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, when we walk in righteousness, we bring glory to God. We exhibit the glory of God because there are some things that it takes grace to exhibit, to let go, to forgive, to help. There's nothing like helping a mean person. There's nothing like helping an ungrateful person. There's nothing like having to help somebody who has already been ungrateful to you. But it says that it brings glory and praise to God. And just to remind you, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and I always teach this and I tell you that, don't mistake it. There are no fruits. It's one fruit, which means that when you are maturing in that fruit, all these things must begin to develop. You can't pick one. All of it is inside one fruit. Apple, mango, pear. My daughter says I should stop calling avocado pear. I told her that it has a long history. I said, who, who, has, who hears avocado? When I go and visit my mom and I tell her, can I have an avocado with my... <laughs> she tell me that I don't have avocado. All I have is pear. Galatians 5, the Bible says in verse 22, we'll read up to 26. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Remember when we're looking at Matthew 6 and all these were coming up? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What it is telling us that the fact that Christ has come to fulfill the law, these things now, easy. It is ours. We don't have to do it in a legalistic way. It says that, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. That is where we have a problem. If we live in the spirit, then let us also walk in the spirit. 
Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. The matter never ends. And that means that unless you begin to mature spiritually, you cannot have the fruit of the Spirit. The flesh will not allow you to forgive, to be humble, to be patient, to be long-suffering. It will not have uh, to, to have agape love, unconditional love. It will, the flesh will not allow you. Because but some, some people are not easily to, easy to love. There are some people are not easy to love. Yeah. Yeah, they, today the Lord rebuked me harshly this morning because I think it was last Friday, you know, and, and I called somebody and the person actually picked the call. I think they answered it and realized that, oh, it's this woman. And then they cut it. And since Sunday, the person has called me maybe three or four times every day since Sunday and I haven't picked and this morning, the Lord said, you are proud. Pick it and stop that foolishness. Just, just pick it. But it will take a, it takes a, a certain level of, to love people who are not lovable. To forgive people that you've already forgiven. You know, even Jesus gave us multiplication, but still they have gone past the multiplication. <laughs> they, have, they have exhausted their quota of, for their life, they have exhausted it. Tell somebody the fruit of the Spirit. Tell somebody the fruit of the Spirit. Let me see you exhibit it. Yes. And as a church, we have to. You see, as we are praying that um, Lord take us to the nations, expand, enlarge us, bring more people into the house of God, you know, we are going to build Calvary Bay and all that. What we are saying is that we are ready to exhibit all these things to many, many more people. So if you can't do it with those who are around you, how will you do it when you have to do it to 10,000 people? The next one is that it makes you generous. When you practice righteousness, it makes you generous. Second Corinthians 9, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Second Corinthians 9, 9 and 10. I'm reading, I want to read the NLT. I'll read it from verse 10. It says that, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to the eater. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Which means that God is blessing you so that you become generous to others. God is blessing you so that you become generous to others. He says that he is producing a great harvest of generosity in you. In you. So even if you are naturally selfish, naturally you swallow it, naturally you are a desert, 
by virtue of the righteousness that has been imputed in, you have to become a fertile land. You have to become a watered land. You have to become a fruitful land. Can't always be receiving, always be receiving. You're always the asker. Can I have? Do you have extra? Do you have? No. Such a person, it doesn't matter how much they have, they can never be generous. Do you know that generosity is not based on how much you have? It's based on the heart. It's based on the heart. And one of the secrets of the gospel is the fact that the generous soul shall be made fat. Because the more generous you, you are, the more you have. The more generous you are, the more you have. Do you know that there are some cultures that are even like that? They are just generous. The problem is that it's only that they, they are only generous in certain specific things, so they never lack those things. There are parts of the world that they say they are not rich or they don't have development, but there are those places you never knock on any door that they will never give you food. You will never go into any house there that they will not offer you something to eat. So nobody in that land, if it doesn't matter what, you ask for food to eat, you will get. Then you come to another place where financially, but when they are having lunch, they'll keep you in their living room and go to their room and eat and come. They'll give you a cup of tea. Then they'll go and eat their chicken and come. Or sandwich. Or fish and chips. Or whatever they are eating. So you, but then those people also, they are generous in financial help. So financially they prosper. It's easy for them to give to a, a country. It's easy for them to assist. So financially, they are. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will also joyfully express their thanks to God. I just want to leave us with this statement that if you are sanctified, you are justified. If you are sanctified, then you are righteous. And if you are righteous, then you have to live it. You have to walk it. You have to practice it. 